How many of us are familiar with the Cinderella story, right? This girl who is filled with love, truly has the heart of gold, but comes from pain and poverty and is treated beneath her worth, beneath what she deserves, is looked upon as less, as not worthy, um, you know, is casted away, casted aside, is laughed at, humiliated, um, you know, stolen from, beaten down, triggered. And just something about her just continues to work, to to clean, to be of service, to be of love, to give love, even when she doesn't feel love. Right, like a lot of Cinderella's characteristics, like that undying positivity is truly admirable because when you're in a walk, when you're on your spiritual journey and you're heading, you know, you're heading to Jesus, you're heading to God, and you think about your experiences, sometimes we don't really take a minute to reflect on those good traits that we do have instilled within us because a lot of the times we are burdened, truly and deeply burdened by the constant mistreatment, the constant feeling of feeling overshadowed, feeling unworthy, feeling like, you know, no one no one sees you or no one hears you or no one wants to see you, no one wants to hear you, no one wants you to be a part of good things or no one wants to truly acknowledge the inner beauty that you have, right? And in every Cinderella that I've ever seen, whether that be cartoon, whether that be, you know, uh, real actors in the movie, Cinderella is always extremely beautiful, right? It's this inner beauty, this inner purity that shines from the outside, from the inside out. Right, And the only thing that separates her from the other maidens at the time is that she's locked away. So she doesn't really have like, you know, much friends, you know, she doesn't really get to talk to many people. She makes friends with technically, you know, with her making friends with like the mice and and stuff like that. That would be her making friends with like the, uh, you know, other people who are seen to be lowly other people who are seen to be unworthy of praise and value and honor, right? So those traits that we have um, is truly, truly, truly one in a million. And because we're so used to living in a world where they make evil look good and good look evil, it can really make you feel like, oh, well, you know, I'm not special. I don't offer anything to the world. I don't give anything to the world. Well, I have a prophetic message for all of the Cinderella's out there, okay? For all of the young ladies who are waiting on their Prince Charming, their king, their kingdom spouse, you know, the one who is their true love, uh, the man who God has chosen for you. I have a very special message and... I look forward to us spending time and getting in on this. 
So this is going to be something that I kind of never did before. It's, it's a mix of a prophetic word with a mix of a story analyst, with a mix of, you know, encouragement and ministry. So let's get into it. The scripture that I have comes from Esther chapter 3, verse 17. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, and so uh, <laughs> more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Okay, so if you're familiar um, with the book of Esther, you would know that Esther was raised by her uncles, right? She was an orphan raised by her uncle, Mordecai, and he raised her up to be a queen because he worked for the palace. He worked for the kingdom. He was a scribe. And, you know, he always kept his ear out, right? He was was always just looking out. And he's seen that, you know, Vashti, the king's old wife, was just not a good fit. And I think it's, it's good for us to say that she wasn't horrible, right? Like, she wasn't horrible. However, she refused to follow the lead of the king. You see, one thing about scripture, scripture is very clear about a godly household. It is God, Christ, man, woman, and child. Okay? Now... Vashti had this issue where she didn't like to be told what to do. And I get it, right? I get it. We all have our moments like that. She didn't want to be paraded around, um, you know, like for, for vain reasons. She, she wanted to be more important because in actuality, Vashti was a, was a part of a royal family, right? So she felt like she didn't need to, she didn't need to be treated like that. And that was really the end of their relationship because it was a great public shame and public humiliation to the king to have his, you know, his wife, his queen, disobey him, right? Because he's the king of the land. Even even the men in the street who don't even know this man must bow down at his feet. So you can't even get your own queen in check, right? So he made the decision that it was best to let her go. And he went on a search for a new queen. Well, Mordecai, being the inside man, found out about that and knew, like, wait, I have this beautiful niece, you know, this beautiful, beautiful niece. And, you know, here we are of, of, you know, Jew heritage and the king is Persian, but he don't need to know. He ain't gonna ask some questions, please. He just want, you know what I mean? He just wants someone who can fit the queen. But that ended up being very important. Her heritage ended up being extremely important uh, towards the end of the chapter. Now, of course, it was her virtue. It was her godliness. It was not only her beauty. I find I find Hebrew women to be extremely beautiful. All of us daughters of Zion are amazingly beautiful. But it was just something about her heart, something about the God that she served that truly made him be like, nah, you, you the one. And also, she also had a little sass to her, right? She had a little sass to her. She she was very respectful, but with dignity, right? It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to embarrass this man. It was more like, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. You're not going to treat me like that. 
However, when we are in public, you know, like just true, true queen status, Esther, Esther had. And he chose her, and that's where our scripture came from. So I just want to read it one more time, um, and then I'll go into the Cinderella story. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashti. Now we all know that in Cinderella, right, there are a couple of characters. There is Cinderella, who is obviously you, daughter of Zion. Um, or it could it could be a prince, I don't know, Cinderella, okay. <laughs> but there is Cinderella, right? The chosen one. There is the king, right? Her father who passes away, the one who taught her how to be the way that she is, the one who raised her to be how she is. Usually those are the good people in your life. Those are the people who have taught you uh, elegance, grace, class. Those are the people who taught you value and virtuous things, right? And they're not going to always be in your life forever, you know? Sometimes it's just a season. Um, but for the most part, the things that they teach you is truly invaluable. Anybody could play the king role, but usually it's it's family. Usually it's the elders. Um, then you have the stepmother, right? The stepmother was the king's wife who married him a little bit before he died. And she was very... She married him for money, right? So her intentions already was off. She didn't really care about his child. She only cared about the fact that he had the bag. And she needed to secure the bag because her own husband either died or had abandoned her and her two daughters, right? So the king being this man of virtue thought that they were gonna have this big happy family and he would be able to, you know, make everybody mix. Well, once the king died, the stepmother and the stepsisters showed their true colors. They showed that they didn't really care for Cinderella and they also didn't really care for the king because if they did, they would have honored him even after his death. They didn't. Um, and what they did was they took his money, right? They took whatever inheritance was left and they lived a very luxurious life. You know, lived, I think they still lived in a castle and everything. Um, or they, they lived very high in society off of his money and they took his own daughter so they really took her inheritance and they locked her away they locked her away in like a dungeon right or like the basement or the attic and they didn't share any of the riches with her but to her it didn't matter because you see Cinderella her virtue was limitless Right, and that is why, just by her virtue, she is gracious. She was powerful because her heart was a heart of gold. Now, of course, our favorite part, right? The fairy godmother come through, which to me, and in my meditations, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that the fairy godmother is is Jesus, right? The one who comes and and brings us miracles the one who comes and, and changes our, our ashes to gold, the one who comes and, and heals our brokenness, the one who sees our, our true selves, our true inner person, the one who can turn us from a peasant to a queen, from a peasant to a king, right? And here comes Jesus, like, I, 
you got to get ready. This is a special night. I don't care if you're stuck. I don't care if they say you can't go to the ball, right? Because with Jesus, if God be for you, who can be against you? Not even her own stepsisters and stepmother could be against her. They could not stop her from going to this ball because this was fated, right? And if there's something that's in the will of God, you know Jesus is going to come through and help you, right? So, got her ready and prepared her, right? Prepared her um, with just just a, a beautiful dress, right? But that beautiful dress, is, to me, symbolizes the Holy Spirit, right? How the Holy Spirit carries us, how the Holy Spirit speaks for us, it introduces us. Because when she walked into the room, everybody's eyes is on her. Everybody looked at her, but especially the prince, right? And he became enamored with her, like, yo, who it is? And, you know, a lot of people like to say, well, oh, it was just a dress. You know, she just looked really good that night. No. Every woman that was at that ball looked good that night. Every woman. Hair, makeup, dress, shoes, corsets, everything was done to the nines. It was something about her. It was the Holy Spirit on that woman, on that girl, that made that prince say, nah, who's shorty, right? They meet. Now, usually this is how it works with with your your divine spouse. You you meet just like a miracle (laughs) out of nowhere. Um, and everybody's story is different, but again, this person just walks, or in Cinderella's case, waltzes into your life. And they they connect, they dance, they just, they're, they're like really, really intrigued with each other, you know? And, and here she is, graceful and, and elegant and sophisticated and filled with opulence and you know, he's just like, wow, this is really a woman, you know, of my caliber. Like, what's up, shorty? Then, right, due to the circumstances. And sometimes these circumstances, like, right, like being, having to be ready at 12 o'clock. Sometimes those type of circumstances could be anything. It could be financial issues that keep us held back. It could be witchcraft that try to keep us held back. It could be evil eye that keep us held back. It could be naysayers that keep us held back. Like that time restraint could represent any type of blockage to your union. Because in all actuality, if Jesus is is playing the fairy godmother, right? If she would have stayed later and her true self would have came out, she would have still had been the same. However, there has to be some type of, they always got to be a little something, something in the story to make the story a story, right? So, of course, she leaves the slipper behind, she runs home, she has to be there before the haters see that she done snuck out and had a good time, because they don't want her to live her life. And, ironically, in, some of, in most of the stories, they don't, they don't notice her either. They don't notice her either. They don't notice her her beauty and presence either because they never seen her in her glory before because they always try to take it from her. They always try to, you know, keep her keep her buried, keep her hidden, keep her away from from life, from experiences, from really being out there, from getting to know people, from 
you know, having because they know like if we, if we let her go, if we if we let her out, like that's it. Like we we might not ever see her again, right? Like and it became a codependent thing because sometimes you can love people so much that when it's time for you to go out and live your life and do your own thing they start feeling like you know I, I have to cling on to this person I have to set them up where they can't leave or they can't escape and you know to, to us you know who are on these journeys sometimes it may seem nefarious like why would you want to do that to me why why don't you want to see me happy why don't you want to see me elevated why don't you want to see me in a position of power why don't you want to see me have freedom well sometimes it's just because of some other people's limited beliefs and also the fact that the people who you, the people who we treat the worst sometimes, be the people who love us the most, because we take them for granted. We think that they always gonna be there. They always gonna, they all, you know. And and it's like the minute that we find out, like they're gonna break away or break free, we we try to keep them down instead of encouraging them. Like, nah, go fly, be you. I'm gonna be here. I got you. Sometimes we're too afraid to be that pillar of strength for others. Or we have become codependent on them but again it's just ironic that we're like that because then we'll treat that same person bad like we'll treat that same person like they're the scum between our toes right things are weird well going back to our scripture right Esther 317 this king could not get her off his mind all these concubinians available, all these virgins, all these women available. And it was just something about this woman in particular. It was the presence of God on that woman that captured his heart and he hunted her down. <laughs> now, granted, and Esther's a little bit different. She, she went to him, right? She went to him. But it didn't matter. It's the same... It's the same... Uh, context of having all of these options but yet one in particular sticks out to you all of them are beautiful all of them are worthy all of them you know are, are loving and special but this one in particular right says Esther found favor above all the women and obtained his grace and he chose her he placed the crown on her same thing with the shoe the prince placed the crown, placed the Cinderella's shoe back on her foot, but it was because it was only for her. It was destined for her. Same thing with Esther. It was destined for her. Sometimes when when God puts us in in places and situations, you know, if you've never had it done before to believe in divine timing or or a divine instruction and you won't really believe but i've had it done a few times to me and god will put you somewhere and tell you nah you know do your hair do something do do make sure you do your hair make sure your makeup is perfect make sure you wear that nice dress make sure you wear those cute sandals and you could just be going right to some some little outside thing down the block right not even going nowhere, but something is just like, <laughs> let me take my time today. And next thing you know, you, you never know, right? But that's because God knows. Trust those intuitive, you know, hunches that tell you to put more effort or, or to go here or to go there, right? Now... Obviously, when the prince came and, and well, 
his servant came first and put the shoe on her foot, but he came to, you know, make sure, like, wait, where did you found her? How? <laughs> he came to make sure, and when he put the shoe on her foot, he just fell in love, and they hit it off again, boom, right there. Same thing with Esther. When he put that crown on her, it was a wrap. <laughs> it was a wrap. Now, for Esther, though, Esther's story doesn't end there. Esther had something very important to do for her people. And there's something very special about the book of Esther. And one thing about the book of Esther is that God is not mentioned once in this entire chapter. But God's hand is all in this story. He's in every detail. Because there comes a time where Esther has to use that same favor, that same trust that that king has in her and has to protect her people. Mind you, he don't, he don't know she's Jewish. He don't know. He don't know she's a Jew. But it was God, divine, you know, divine arrangement, divine assignments. Like, God is, oh, give me chills. Let's read, let's read our uh, scripture, this next one. Esther chapter 5, verse 8. Esther says, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall <clears throat> that I shall prepare for them and will do tomorrow as the king hath said. So at this point, right, we have a Haman here. Haman would be like like the stepmother and the stepsisters. There's always a hater. You feel me? There's always a there's always an adversary. Because the enemy doesn't like to see beautiful things come together. The enemy doesn't like to see divine couples come together. Why? Because those are kingdom couples. Those are couples who are really going to change the world. That's not just couples who are going to shack up and be married and and just start having kids. Like, no, they're actually going to use their their gifts, their talents, whether it be from a, an array of different things. But they're going to use what they have to work in the kingdom to make a mark of God on the world, right? So the devil don't like to see that. Ew, what? <laughs> so that's why this Haman, which was actually the king's right-hand man, this Haman, he wanted to kill the Jews. He made up things, accused them of stuff, um, tried to make them look bad and everything because he really just had a, a personal hatred for them because according to some of the um, other, like, Esther-related movies I've watched, the Jews had killed his people many, 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 many moons ago. But his mother had ended up getting away while she was pregnant with him, and he was like the last of his people. So he wanted to revenge them, right? But they were given a, a divine order from God to take those people out, and he just happened to be spared. So you see how God works, like God even work on your enemy behalf, but they so evil sometimes they didn't even see it. Same thing with the stepsisters and the step and the stepmother. When they received the inheritance from the king, that was God blessing them because technically they had nothing. They would have had nothing without the king, but they so evil, right? That they didn't even they didn't even appreciate it. They didn't even say, wow, like, you know. Yeah, you know, maybe he, he didn't get to step in and be a dad for us. However, he left us bread. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we good. We taken care of. We got we got status. And, you know, we got a place in the society. But 
they not looking at the situation like that. They just so greedy. They so selfish. They so vain that, you know, they just don't see how the divine is working even on their behalf. And that is why enemies of us become enemies of God because they too focused on being evil and wicked. So anyways, Haman tells the king, listen, the Jews done did this, they did that. Let's just take them out. Now, this is where God has to use Esther, right? God uses Esther to save her people because remember, she found sight. She found uh, favor in the sight of the king. So she's going to tell him, like, listen, I'll I'll throw a banquet for you and your mans who hate my people. And I want y'all to, you know, like, come and meet me and sit with me and, and let's talk about this because <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm going to have to reveal to you who I am you're not gonna kill my people like nah so she took the risk and in the end i'm gonna skip i'm gonna skip a lot of chapters but in the end she ends up winning and that's where uh the feast of purim you know the celebration of purim comes from um because esther saved the jewish people from being spared by the persians right because of that favor and and trust that she had the king could trust her because of her character because of her virtue right every king needs a true queen not just a woman who looks like a queen all women are queens but there are certain divine assignments that there is just a perfect fit right like you can't have this all-powerful king and this submissive little woman who's low-key just not evil but she's gonna act submissive because she wants the benefits of being with the king right then you have ulterior motives you feel me? That's not really queen-like, especially not not in the eyes of a of God. Not not trying to be a child of God when you have ulterior motives, right? Like if you really if you really love somebody, you're gonna love them, and you're gonna have to put them in a place when they wrong, love them when they right, and still find a way to be true to yourself and to them. But again, any woman could be a queen. But there are certain matches that is just divinely set. And there's nothing that man can do to separate those things. Scripture says, and who God joins together, let no man ascend it. Let no man take it apart. So no matter what you do, no matter what they say, no matter what, they think no matter if you think that you're gonna give up on your divine spouse no matter if you think that that you're gonna you know just walk away from the person nothing can unjoin (laughs) that's probably not even a word i'll be making up mad words on this nothing can take apart what god has put together nothing and no one no one can separate y'all no one can come between y'all and that is the beauty of things that God has ordained and God has blessed. And to those who try, right? Because look at look at what ended up happening to Haman. Haman ended up falling on his own sword. Haman ended up getting himself in trouble and ended up dying. Because he was just, he was too busy playing the adversary. It was too much. It was just not giving what it was supposed to give. You see, he became an enemy of, of chosen ones. He became an enemy of God's people. Because when the king married Esther and she started talking about her God and what she believes in and this and that, he like, yo, who's your God? Like, 
you know, but she got to play low key, but she's still telling the truth about her God, like how amazing he is, how wonderful he is, how he takes care of you, how he does this, how he does that. Right? So here now we got the king, this Persian king, low key serving serving a Jewish God, serving a Jew God, just because of the glory of his own wife. That is a great responsibility. And only a true queen can embody that. Right? Like everybody has their, their seasons. Everybody has their, their time. But sometimes we run for things that are not for us because we like, well, this is for somebody. Well, then it'll be good enough for me. And then it is, it's just horrible. And you fall upon your own sword because what happens is, is that you try to go against what God has said. You see, Haman knew what Esther was. He knew. He just ain't say nothing. He felt the spirit of God. He knew what was up. And because he knew, it's like he kept doing little evil stuff, you know, doing evil things, evil things, evil things, trying to trying to tempt the hand of God, trying to provoke the wrath of God. And that's the thing. When you go against divine couples, when you go against God's plan for someone's life, you become an enemy of God. And that is the worst place to be. <laughs> because like I said, again, Brother Haman, he died of his own, of his own doing. He set a trap and fell into it. How you fall in your own trap? But scripture says that that's what enemies do. They set traps for them for themselves. Right? So here's what I want to prophesize. I want to prophesize that every woman who listens to this podcast, this episode, this Cinderella episode, I want to prophesy in your life that your divine spouse is coming he will come he will rescue you he will save you he will honor you and you will be his queen and you will have already gone through the purification process you will have already spent time in celibacy you would have already spent time at the foot of god at the foot of jesus you would have already spent time getting to know yourself, healing from your past, your trauma, healing from things that you thought was going to break you down, healing from witchcraft, healing from hatred, healing from evil eye, healing from people that have trying to slow you down and, and, and take you out the path and take you out the will of God. God will put you back on the path. God will put you right where he wants you. Do not let the enemy confuse you. Do not let the enemy devise plans against you. Because a plan against you is a plan against your kingdom marriage, which is a plan against your spouse. You must fight. You must pray. You must pray for your divine spouse. Even if you don't know the person yet, you have to ask God. Ask God. If you want a real man, like everybody's like, I want a real man. (laughs) If you want a real man, I, I dare you to go on your knees. The night that you hear this, go on your knees. All right? Go on your knees, cover your head with a veil, with a scarf, whatever you got. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask God to send in your divine spouse, to send in your true love, to send in the man that he has for you, right? And then you're going to ask God to show you the way. And from there forward, just sit back and let Jesus press play on, press play on your love story. Right? So I love you all. 
I really, really enjoyed this. <laughs> I really enjoyed this, and I hope that it inspires someone um, to allow God to put their story together. Sometimes when we try to put our own stories together, it just falls apart and it goes to crap, right? But if God put your story together, if God put your love story together, baby, nothing can break that down. Nothing can tear it apart. They could try to throw you in a ditch and God's gonna come get you out and, and come bring, and bring you to your king all cleaned up, pretty up, polished and ready for the assignment. They could try to set you up. They could try to, all kinds of stuff they could try to do. It doesn't work. So don't be scared. Don't let nobody back you down from what you know. After God reveals to you what you know, don't let nobody back you down. Just get closer and closer to God. Stay on your own path. And when you feel the attacks coming, remember that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. They gonna form. They might even try to attack you spiritually with with witchcraft, with, with things of the unseen. They might even try to poison your food. They might try to do all kinds of crazy stuff to you. It does not matter. It says that my people, my people shall, shall drink poison and be unscathed. Right? Remember, remember who you are. Remember who you are in Christ. So I love y'all and until next time.